Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I run Stack, the subscription club that delivers a different independent magazine to your door every month. This week I jumped on my bike and rode over to the Mag Culture shop in Clerkenwell for a chat with Jeremy Leslie, who started his blog about magazines way back in 2006 and opened his shop in 2015. He's currently organising the 10th edition of Mag Culture Live, which is going to happen in London next month. And in this conversation, he talks about some of the speakers that they have lined up, the ideas behind the events and what he's learned from a decade of hosting his magazine conference. When we were emailing back and forth to set up the conversation, we decided we should both speak about some of our favourite new magazines I suppose I assumed we'd get through that bit fairly quickly and onto Mag Culture Live, but it turns out that we both really like talking about magazines. So um, I realised that we were over 20 minutes in and there were still more magazines on the table. So as you will hear, I pulled the plug at that point uh, and we got onto the event. But it was really lovely catching up with Jeremy and it's always brilliant to hear his take on what's new and interesting in the magazine world. So I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation with Jeremy from MagCulture. Hey Jeremy, thanks so much for making time to talk. Pleasure, always good to see you. Uh, so we're sitting here in the back of the shop mm-hmm. and I've just spent half an hour uh, racking up a bill. <laughs> what There's so much good stuff uh, in in the shop. So basically, we we were emailing before this, and we said a good thing to do would probably just be to start up by talking about mm-hmm. some magazines. Yeah. So, um, do, do you want to kick us off? What what yes. have you seen recently that you really like? Um, well, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's that time of year. It's 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 October, November. It's 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 not the summer it's not Christmas there's a lot out there there's a lot of new issues of favorites and there's a lot of new new uh, magazines but the one um, the one the one I want to start with is a music magazine which has always been close to my heart that's where my love for magazines first came from and Disco Pogo is in a way it's sort of it's almost a magazine that bridges independent and mainstream I think it, it is resolutely independent it's made by a small team and it you know ticks lots of, of those boxes but it's it's a serious editorial product um, that addresses electronic music, both contemporary and, I, I suppose, vintage, um, from a very st- sort of strong editorial point of view. Um, and I think with this fourth issue, it's just kind of some, it's hit its stride. It's our magazine of the month uh, for October. Um, and, and one of the things I love about it, it's a really simple device, but their cover strategy is, is they, ha- they always have two covers and they have one sort of, if you like, sort of older states person or band that represents then, and they have someone from now. And with this issue, they have the Chemical Brothers on the one cover, and they have Romy from XX on the other cover. And I think that the seeing the two together really sums up the magazine very cleverly mm. and helps you understand it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't this one that grew out of another magazine? Was it like Sleaze Nation or something? It came, uh, it's the team that originally did Jockey Slut. Back in the noughties, yeah. I think, or even the nineties, I've lost, uh, maybe it's the nineties, but it was, um, and that was an independent magazine in its time, but um, they, I, I can't remember how it ended, I think it was one of those ones which went through various ownerships and then kind of faded away, um, but they, 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 they bounced back, I guess, you know, you, you see this, and interesting, I mean, there's Electronic Sounds as well, which is, uh, uh, Disco Poker is, is quarterly, Electronic Sounds is, I think, monthly. 
uh, and and they are another team of people that used to publish. They were much more in the mainstream um, uh, music press, but they've sort of looked at the independent scene and thought, well, oh, we can do that. And I think it's really interesting to see that, that the, the people in publishing in general are acknowledging that there is something, there is a vehicle now that can make something work in print. And so, the, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I think we'll, we'll talk a bit at the end about that kind of general health mm-hmm. of magazines, but seeing people like that who came up through magazine publishing in a very different time when the, you know, kind of magazines were sold differently considered differently then seeing an opportunity on the independent side it sort of gives you hope doesn't it it makes you think like because you know we're, we're so used to magazines being like well it's beautiful and lovely but you could never make a business out of this maybe these magazines are showing like actually you can make something that's beautiful and lovely mm-hmm. and you can make a business out of it absolutely absolutely i mean i think going back to electronic sounds you know they've just the, the, the current issue is their 106th issue so that's a you know that um that's a lot of issues of the magazine, and it's and, and they're if anything even kind of more niche than Disco Pogo is, but they've, you know, they've they've built a, a, a successful model based around subscription primarily. You know, these aren't magazines. You know, as per so many of the independent magazines that we both know so much, you know, we love and appreciate and celebrate. Um, that they're they're not wanting to follow the old route of trying to be as many in as many stores as possible they 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 choose where they're going to have it's, it's almost like a sort of sampling mechanism mm. in order to encourage people to go online and buy the subscription and mm. then that's mm. when things begin to click into place as you well know with with, with staff in your business <laughs> yeah i do i like subscriptions yes, it's true absolutely. yeah uh good all right okay so talking of the stack subscription yes. now uh, so for my for my first turn mm-hmm. i've been very restrained with this because uh, obviously there's part of my brain that just wants to bring the last three magazines we sent out on stack <laughs> but that's not really in the spirit of things uh so i've bought um the bittersweet review mm-hmm. partly because i heard you talking about it on your last uh, episode of the yeah. Mac Culture podcast. Um, this is the one that we sent out to our subscribers uh, last month, so that was September. Um, and yeah, I mean, the I, so this is issue two. Um, issue one came out at the start of this year, and it's uh, I think they describe it as like uh, a literary magazine for queer people and their friends or something, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And the first issue was like sort of touch i think it was themed around and there was like lots of bodies and touching and stuff but i was really struck by how it, it wasn't gratuitously sexy there, there was sexiness in there but it was for a reason that like it was it was talking about something else and so i you know as i do like contacted them found out more and like we figured out a time to send something and so this is their um basically it's, i think they, they called it i i started a joke uh, and so it's their like queerness and humour issue, um, and I just love it. I think that they've done such a beautiful job with it. It's like this lovely kind of like silvery uh, cover. It's got these like Fedrigoni papers inside, so it all just feels like really high end, yeah. really yeah. really looks. Um, <laughs> even though some of the content is like genuinely, I mean, I find it quite challenging. Uh-huh. Like the the. Uh, I read the first story. So basically, you know, I, I, we set all this up and like, you know, get the magazine sent over. And I'm like, great, we're going to send this out to our subscribers now. And the first long piece in here uh, is called Cool Dad's Guide to Fisting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, all right, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I read it and, and, like, and have to say, like, I just didn't really get it. 
And I was like, oh no, the, I, maybe this is just too difficult a thing to do because it's talking about humour, which is so personal. Um, and so, and it was just the end of the day and I'd like stopped reading at that point. And so then the next day came to it and started reading again and like loved the next piece and the next mm -hmm. piece. Of the, but I think it's like, you know, I actually really like the fact that this is a magazine that has taken me beyond what I'm yeah, actually yeah. comfortable with. The, um, have you had a chance to, to look at this? I, one? I, I, I know the magazine. I, 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 knew the first, I know the first issue better. Uh, I, I love it for its production values and the design. I think um, without wishing to be sort of dis, dis other magazines in the same space in terms of you know, covering uh, queer lives and... and um, they're not always, it's not, you know, they're, they're often very passionate and very important and not maybe not the best looking magazines. Whereas this is a really beautifully mm, put together, beautifully mm. designed, as you say, sumptuously produced. The last, I think the first one was kind of fluorescent orange and this yeah. is this is metallic silver on the cover. It's book sized, it's, it's, it is a reading experience more than an, there is it, there are images, it's a reading experience. But I haven't had a good chance to really dig into this okay. issue. Um, my colleague Danielle loves it. And she's much more in the kind of uh, readership uh, profile, if you like, um, and very proud to sell it. I'm looking forward to, to, to having a closer look at it because I'm interested in humour, as yeah. you'll see later when I show you another magazine. But um, <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you much more no, about no, it. No, no, I, of I, course, I, of course. But but it's interesting. I mean, it's great to hear you um, being so positive about it. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, well, I can recommend the Cool Dad's Guide to Fisting. Of yes, course. absolutely. <laughs> oh, all right. So look, you you just mentioned humour. Yeah. So what's the humour magazine? So the humour is is the fence, which uh, is is um, is a well, it, it describes itself as the UK's only magazine <laughs> on the cover. Uh, it's it's different. I mean, you know. It, one of the things that always fascinates I mean, in fact all three magazines I've, I've got here on the table indeed the ones you've got are all different sizes and different mm, formats mm. this this is um this is a very traditional magazine format it's it's quite uh it's staple bound there's um i think sort of 64 or so or 50 pages um and it's quite slight in a way mm. but it's it's uh it's, it's on issue 17 and it is just a kind of mixture it's in, in a way if I said it was a sort of it was a little light private eye that might mislead because it's not that because it's not that busy but um but it is it's similar it has a vibe of of, of private eye and it's it's sense of humor I guess it's, it's less it's less maybe less current than private eye it's not about the news mm -hmm. it is about for instance um uh they always open with a bunch of kind of brief anecdotes from readers that, that, that they that, that, that they ask people to submit and in this issue they've got um uh, a whole load of um experiences of foreign exchange programs from people's childhood and it's just sort of awful experiences that, that <laughs> i didn't ever actually go on one of those but you know exactly what they're going to be like and they are you know um can i read, can I read one of course i just don't for um when I was about 10, my parents hosted two kids, a boy and a girl, whose families were affected by the Chernobyl disaster. Anyway, it turns out I hated the lad so much my parents swapped him with a kid from another family. <laughs> but it's just a silly little throwaway thing. So they, they've got that side of, of the magazine, which is just, you know, anecdotal humour. They have... Um, uh, they, they, they posit... Uh, there's another kind of longer feature later in the magazine. They posit... Uh, a whole load of possible newspaper columns that, that that could exist. They don't exist, but they they could exist. So, 
So I mean, one, one of the columns suggests is, is li lifestyles of the rich and shameless. Uh, so observer columnist and Fenian star boy, famous Seamus O'Reilly, who is a columnist in his own right, and they're, they're parodying and taking the piss out of him a bit here. But um, Seamus O'Reilly compares and contrasts his diet, skincare routine and social calendar against the billionaires routinely profiled in Men's Health, Vanity Fair, etc. So it's it's kind of like slightly cutting, slightly... It, it, there's an element of sort of media in the know, I guess, um, but I, I find it, it fills a space that tickles me. Um, no, but, but then there's also much more, much, much more uh, serious. You know, there's a serious reportage. There's a serious um, piece here, which actually I, I read this a, a fantastic piece about uh, an area of Hampstead Heath here in London, which was um, called the Vale of Health Pond, and this was an area where traditionally all the um, funfair people would go and spend the winters when they weren't out on tour with their with, with their rides. And it's just the story of how how this this area, this right in the centre of Hampstead Heath, which of those who don't know Hampstead Heath is a very very um, bijou, uh, wealthy area of London, um, and for whom a lot of the residents now wouldn't want people like this right in their midst. Right. And so it's about that clash and the changes that are happening. Yeah. So it's a really serious piece of reportage as well, and I, and I love that kind of mix of it's all kind of insider knowledge, but some of it's very very silly and throwaway and mm. kind of quite. Mm bitchy and, and, then, and then some of it's very very knowledgeable and really important storytelling and, and I like the way that this definitely it's a magazine that really feels like it has a place like the it, it comes out of London mm -hmm. the you yeah. know the, the and it, it it's kind of you can tell it's being made by like younger people the like you know the there'll be I don't know like a an anonymous writer in there who's maybe like someone junior working in the houses of House of Commons or something who's like commenting on things like I, I like the way they're sort of like bringing that kind of network of yes. people together to have a real voice so I think, I think this is where it is like private eye you know I think I think they've, they, they've developed a network of stringers and people who are going to kind of feed it at least they might feed in clues for a story that they can then follow up you know mm -hmm. but they're interested and they're alive and they are very London orientated as I say which when I say it sometimes people sort of that's that's something to poo poo but I, I think you know as you say be your place, mm, totally. and, and it is, it's a London magazine. People outside London can enjoy it. They're not pretending to be anything else. Mm. Um, I don't think they're saying London's better. It's just where they are, um, and I love it's you know compared to the bittersweet review we were uh, just hearing about. It's very kind of throwaway, and it's kind of look. It's it's quite flimsy. Mm. It does have the the other thing that has to be mentioned. It, it has this fantastic set set of illustrators that work for it. It is just text and sort of almost cartoon-like illustrations, but some of the best illustrators working at the moment are working for this magazine. Mm, pretty good. All right, so we, we talked about um, the sense of place uh, mm -hmm. in the fence. So so my next magazine is one that... I love it when like a magazine comes along and like, I've never heard of it before, and then you realise that, oh, this is issue four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so this is um, a shade colder... Uh, and it is um, funded by the Estonian Ministry of Culture, uh, and it's published by the Estonian Centre for Contemporary Arts. And the like, I guess when I like read that at the front of the magazine, I go, "Ooh, okay, watch out! We're going to get the Estonian Culture Ministry's uh, approved take, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the art world now." But actually, it's like it's really you know, kind of it's interested in. Um, Estonia's outsider art and it's interested in like kind of the strange like meandering paths that 
art takes, not just through Estonia, but also the Baltics. Mm -hmm. And it has this theme that keeps coming back of Russia. And the, and so we, we were in Hamburg recently uh, for the Indicon conference. And one of my favorite things there was talking to the team from Solomir, so uh, a magazine about the Ukrainian uh, war experience at the moment, which is just so utterly horrendous, it kind of blows everyone's mm -hmm. minds. I also think it's really interesting to see this perspective. So, you know, Estonia being a small state right next right to next, Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you read how kind of, you know, the th their whole identity is, is bound up with this neighbor and, you know, kind of what it was like when they were Soviet, what it meant when they found independence and what it means now that there's war happening on their doorstep. I, I just think that, you know, obviously war is dreadful it goes without saying but i think that the stuff i'm seeing at the moment coming out of russia and i I'm, i wonder maybe we'll see things coming out of the middle east is the first time that i've seen small independent publishers reflecting on the experience of war like this and how it changes everything mm -hmm. it completely scrambles my brain when i see it i well i think it's it's, it's really interesting i mean one of the things that um well one of the many things that convinces me of, of, of the future path for uh, and future of, of print in general is uh, are projects like this which do take on the big issues that are facing all of us, society. And you know, we've seen it across the years with um, things responding to or even being just sort of being um, alongside in parallel to uh, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, the problems of mental health climate change there have been great magazines launched around all these subjects and this is another example you know uh, Solimayo of course um, uh, but th this is a fascinating magazine and I think it, it is it does feel so much of its place and time in, 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 in a way that as you say you know it could easily just be a voice piece for whatever the, the people behind it are but they seem to have understood what the point of a publishing program is and that they're delivering something really special to, and the point is to tell the rest of the world about Mm. what they're doing mm. I think mm. the, the other thing to, to, to add to what you're saying just in terms of places um, Estonia is is generally regarded as being the kind of the, the, the great case study of digital media of, 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 of moving forward and being you know uh, being so ahead of uh, so many um, what you would call Western countries in terms of their use of digi digital payments and stuff like this and yet it's really interesting to see the move you know they are from a government perspective, producing print, yeah, and doing a really lovely job and, and as well. And it should be. I mean, it is again. It's a lovely, beautiful piece of print with special colours, a little extra piece on the uh, on the on the front cover, and a really interesting design perspective, which is feels very contemporary, but isn't isn't something I've seen quite in that in the, the sort of use of typefaces, and the, it's quite baroque. Mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and totally distinctive. Yes, and yeah, yeah. and talking of totally distinctive, <laughs> okay. the so, other one we can see so on the this, table here. So this 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 one, uh, I I have to mention because it's a particular favourite of mine. I mean, uh, we have followed. Uh, we're going to be talking about Mag Culture Live, and we 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 followed the career of Richard Turley since these days at Bloomberg Business Week, big American weekly. Uh, financial magazine, very different to the independent scene that, that, that we're really discussing here. Um, but he did fantastic things there, and he spoke at the first edition of Mag Culture Live back in uh, 2013. 
but he's been through you know he moved away from magazines and now he's very much back in the magazine game he's not just doing magazines he's got his own creative studio now uh, and, and they're doing all sorts of different projects but he still keeps his mind on magazines through interview of course he does interview the the, the um, uh, long-standing uh, US celeb magazine which is brilliant in its own right at the moment he did Civilization now now he's done nuts <laughs> Which is which is so not. I mean, some of us with longer memories might remember a particularly gruesome uh, lads, lads mag Max. from from the noughties <laughs> called Nuts. It is couldn't be more different. It is it is large paged. It is uh, it, the pages aren't numbered, but there must be a good four or five hundred pages in there. It's a good kind of thirty-five mil thick, but although the papers are very very the pages are very very thin, and it is it's a sort of it's conceived I guess as as a sort of ghost fashion magazine. It's not a fashion magazine, but everything about it says it's a fashion magazine. So it's lots of people wearing clothes, but they're, they're not really focusing on the clothes. It's people wearing clothes as if as if it was a fashion magazine and, and, and everything is credited. Uh, but there are kind of absurdist headlines. Uh, and I'm looking, flicking through here. And of course, you know, you never find the thing that you want to find when you find it. <laughs> Uh, but they're just big slogans. Rock your arms like you're cradling a baby. Tap your wrist like you're checking the time. And they sort of relate to life and they relate to your experience and they have nothing to do with the imagery and it's just, it's, it, there's just a degree of abstractness and not parody or, or, of fashion, but there's definite a kind of, it is, a, it's like a ghost magazine, a ghost version of a fashion magazine because there's nothing, you scratch it and there's not really anything there, but it's mm. just it's compulsive reading. Mm, mm, um, this this is one that so I'd seen it online before, but I hadn't seen it in the flesh before I came here today. And the so a, a lot of what we're looking at here is uh, is shoots like uh, like you say, kind of like fashion shoots, but maybe not really about fashion. Mm. And then it looked like there was some like longer pieces of text in there as well. Yes. Like, and, and are these slogans kind of taken from the text or are they completely separate? No, they're from each completely other? separate. There's, there's some longer texts um, by um, Natasha Stagg that are, are kind of remind me again of civilization. They're kind of nonsense texts and it's sort of, it's just sort of stream of consciousness kind of story of. Um, an, an, an evening and, and just sort of what happens and, and, and opinions and getting dressed and going out and then there's a man over there and this and that and it, it's sort of meaningless but you know you you just experience it it washes over you the whole thing kind of washes over you I, I, I love it more because it's you know uh, you know you and I both look at so many magazines we see so many magazines and, and, and we you know as, as per this discussion we, we can you know I like to think we can find in, in something in every magazine you know but but this is is the sort of project that's really close to my heart because it's it's sort of testing what is and questioning what what is a magazine and it's playing with the form and taking it somewhere else that I'd, you know I'd, this is going to inspire other people to do other things and, and and maybe make something that's a bit more concrete and a bit more definite in what it is but this is a really important contribution to that question of of what are, what is a magazine where is it going you know the format it's it's on quite thin Sort of newsprinty paper it's all in black and white and it has a very particular feel and, and, and none of it is a mistake it's all very deliberate but it's mm. just saying go on then yeah, yeah what's this about yeah and 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 again totally distinctive that uh, there are more magazines on the table but i think we should get to talking about yes. the reason that i came yeah. here today <laughs> <laughs> so mad culture live is happening uh, next month the yep. 16th of november that's right 
you have mentioned format a few times yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. with the, the mags we're looking at, yeah. and that doesn't feel accidental. Uh -huh. So the so tell us about the the theme and how you came to that. So um, I mean, one of the, one of the things, well, as 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 as, as I've been sort of thinking without, I mean, it wasn't so deliberate to mention format so many times, but I'm, I'm very hung <laughs> up about format at the time at the moment. One of the things that really uh, well, I keep mentioning one of the many things. Another thing that that uh, fascinates me about magazines and still thrills me about magazines is how they can be so different in the way they feel and look. And not just, of, of course, physical format. And if you were to take a copy of Nuts and a copy of The Fence, two magazines we've just looked at, they couldn't be more different. And if you showed them to someone that had no idea what a magazine was and said, these are both magazines, they'd be, they'd be scratching their heads and say, so what have they got in common? That's what I love about format. And I think that's so important when we've got a context where... Um, so much content now is just is shared on our phone, which mm. is just everything becomes the same. You mm. know, we know, and that's fine. It, it serves its purpose. It works really well. But but the, there is a kind of um, uh, a, a direction of function that the phone insists that you know, just off white background, just off black text. It's about the ten point size. Serif's better than sans serif, and everything begins to look very very similar. Mm. And it's the same size screen, give or take. It's always glossy, it's always shiny, it's always, always reflective. And one of the things that I think print has going for it is that it can be so different in size and scale. That's one sense of format. But then there's also format as in um, how often is it published? Is it, is it all pictures? Is it all text? How do the pictures and text work together? Um, Disco Pogo with, with, the, with their covers, the, the way they have the two covers, that's a kind of format device. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of theme that we're, we're looking using as the lens through what we're looking at uh, for, for, for this edition. Um, but there's always that underlying theme, but essentially it's a celebration of magazines and magazine making. That's the, that's the headline thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And of course, it's the 10th anniversary. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, how, how did that happen? Well, it, it is ridiculous. But then, you, you mentioned Indicon, and that was their 10th anniversary mm -hmm. as well. And um, I, I was I was at the Oomk uh, yes. tenth anniversary yeah. party the other night. There's, there's lots of tens happening at the yes, moment. Yes, there are, and there, and there was the um, the tenth anniversary of the Gentlewoman Club. I mean, there's all you know. There's we're getting to the stage now where a lot of magazines and, and things that we deal with and work with have been around for some time. You know, um, and looking at nuts, you know, Richard Turley was there at the first edition of of, uh, of Mad Culture Live. Although it wasn't called Mad Culture Live then, complicatedly. It also, I have to point out, just to anyone who is mathematically minded will be thinking, well, so they, they launched in, well, I'm going to say, it launched in 2013 and now it's 2023, but that's the year 11, but we missed out last year. So th this is our, our 10th edition, including two that we did online during the, the um, lockdown, but this is the, the 10th edition proper and we will be celebrating that. So, so come on then, so, so reflecting on that decade, mm -hmm. that last 10 years, what stands out in your mind as being like real kind of landmarks? Are there, yeah. are there things that you look back on and think like that was amazing, that was terrible? The, you know, where does your mind go? Um, thankfully, there aren't too many things that make me kind of cringe and, and, <laughs> and, and, and think, oh, that was terrible. Um, perhaps I'm just very good at deleting them from my head. <laughs> but, you know, genuinely, I don't think there's been anything too terrible. I think. I mean, one one of the joys of, of of doing the event, which I found out very quickly, having done the first one, and there was no intention for it to run after that. It, it, it was a book launch essentially. It was the launch of my modern magazine book, and, and so the, the the event was then called the Modern Magazine, 
subsequently re- reduced to Mudmag, which is a really handy name, which meant nothing to anyone. <laughs> so we, we we moved on to Mag Culture Live. But the, uh, ever since the first one, it's just amazed me how um, how how fascinating it is, and how it doesn't the, the fascination never fades to hear people stand up and talk about the magazine that they mm. have poured so much passion into. Mm. And sometimes you might not necessarily love a magazine but you hear the person speak about it and suddenly it all the, the the kind of scales fall off your eyes and think ah oh, that's what that's that's why people like this magazine. i get it now mm-hmm. um i'm a great believer that if you're working in communication which is what magazines are all about then you have to be able to stand up and communicate mm-hmm. and, and and even if people aren't necessarily the best speaker they can still communicate what it is they're trying to get across and that's what i love about these events and seeing them contrasting with other people, you know, we get seven or eight speakers together. They all speak independently, uh, one after the other. But it's amazing how even, you know, we're setting the theme format this time and, and obviously work very closely with the speakers to help them kind of communicate an element of that. But also just it's amazing always how many other themes come out through serendipity you know just hearing somebody say something somebody else say something and suddenly oh yeah they both thought that or they or they or they disagreed they came from different angles mm. but it's fascinating so so it sounds like then so i was going to ask that did you start with the theme format and then go to these speakers or did you start with this set of speakers and the theme format kind of arose out of the what you know about them um both <laughs> I, mean, I mean i mean you sort of start off Obviously, I mean, you know, we're, we're writing about and covering and uh, podcasting and stuff, uh, all sorts of magazines across the year and along the year, sort of not not necessarily kind of composing a list as you go, but you sort of, in your head, you know, well, it'd be great to get them involved, it'd be great to get them involved. They did a really good thing at, at, at one of the events at the shop, and keep them for, oh, I met, I met somebody, um, I met uh, Linda Nubling from um, Girls With Curls mm. at IndyCon, mm. and um uh, she was just planning to launch her German magazine in a bilingual edition with the, with the issues coming up, and I was really impressed by her and her uh, the origin story of what she did, and so we're flying her in. So you sort of gather people like this across the year, and hopefully it's not only just a the format thing comes into play, but it's you know as I say to speakers, I don't want you just to stand up and talk about format. Just if you can do, give a nod to that along the way, we want to hear your story, mm-hmm. and it is you know. Looking back over the 10 years, we've had speakers, you know, we've had 100 and something speakers at one stage or another contribute. Sometimes it's this, you know, we've had some repeats, but um, they've all, you know, they've all been doing something important the year they, uh, that they spoke. They, they have to, you know, done something. Mm, something has to have been happening yeah, at that yeah, point because yeah. it's a snapshot of time as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and so in, in that respect, in so many respects, I do regard, you know, we program it as if it is a magazine. We kind of you know, have a long speaker, a short speaker. We, 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 we give it pace. We very carefully compose it. So this time we open with, with one of the keynote speakers. We end with another keynote speaker. And then there's a, a longer talk in the middle. And then there's some much briefer, smaller talks from some of the uh, people that have maybe only produced one or two issues mm. of their magazine. And there's less of a story, but it's still very exciting to hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so give, give us give us a bit of a, a preview then. The, mm-hmm. So obviously we want people to go and buy tickets yeah, yeah, after this. Yeah, so yeah. so what? Which speakers yes. are you really looking forward to, and, and do you think people will people should definitely come for this? Okay, well, uh, I'm looking forward to them all, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> Obviously. Um, no, but I mean, literally, I mean, you know, it's, it, I'm in the 
very luxurious position of of having or privileged position of having selected them, and I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing them all. I think you know we, we, we're st- we're we're going to be ending um, with Deborah Bishop, who is um, uh, actually Canadian but New York based uh, art director of the New York Times Kids section, which is a brilliant section of illustration and typography aimed squarely at the kind of um, older sub teenage children. Uh, and it uses the New York Times' broadsheet section, so it's it's like, a, you know, it just sits in the middle of the newspaper, but you pull it out, it's full colour, full of amazing illustration. And she actually, she delivered, um, she gave the talk she's going to be giving in London at our New York event earlier in the year, because the other thing alongside this is we have for the last five years done it in New York as well. Mm. So we're bringing her over as, as to, to end the day, and it's a brilliant talk that she has to offer. Um, but then conversely, we're starting the day with Neville Brody, who was a design hero back in the day in the 80s and 90s um, for The Face and magazines like that. And he is, he's just produced a, a new book of his work from the last 30 years. That's, and as far as I'm concerned, that's just a, a groundbreaking, brilliant book. And he's going to be talking talking about how his editorial work back then, which made his name, has influenced the rest of his graphic design career because he's much more... He's not. He's not done so much editorial design since. But I hope he can sort of. He's going to open the day, so I hope he can deliver a sort of a really strong polemical kind of start. And then, I mean, going back to what you're saying about you know magazines about war and maybe we'll hear more from the Middle East. I mean, Al Haya and and Sapphire Journal, the two magazines we know well from that area, they haven't um, thankfully recently had to really kind of um, face up to, to to the potential for war and terrorism in their in in, in that country, but. Uh, Maya Mumne, the uh, editor-in-chief of um, of those projects, is coming to speak about those, and um, very much looking forward to hearing mm. from her, especially in the context of what's just been mm. transpiring mm. in in, in uh, Israel and Gaza. Um, and then and then some great indies, great smaller indies. So the paper, uh, the fence. Uh, Charles, the editor of the fence, is is, is coming to speak. Uh, the the team from the paper, which is another favourite launch from this year from Wales. Um, I have to mention everyone now, don't I? <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we, I, okay, let's let's just say if there, there are some more, and, and they, yeah, I, I, I have a look at the website and find out who the other people I haven't mentioned are. And exactly. No yeah. offense to them that I didn't mention. Them. Go, go, to, go to the site yeah, yeah, yeah. to find out. But I'm very excited about the day as a whole. So, so the, the the last bit that was interesting for this is so the so this time it's going to be held at the Vitsu yes, uh, yeah. shop. Yeah. And we've been talking about formats, the like. Does it change the format that you're going to be in Vitsu this time? Is it, are you doing anything differently as a, as a result? Kind of. I mean, the, the the actual presentation format won't be too different. But what we've what we've found is it's really interesting over the ten years the sort of curve that you go through. So when we first started, the first one we did, um, as you'll remember because you were there uh, at Central Saint Martin's, was um, was in a very big kind of fully raped theatre, and it was kind of almost overblown but it felt right for the first one to do something really big and we'll look, look, look what we're doing kind of it's a proper big event and since then we've done we've done we did it at a smaller venue within CSM then at London College of Communication then we moved to Conway Hall which was quite grand and had a lot but it's almost began to feel like the big stage there and everything it was too separate from the audience um, and that's where we last did it. But in New York, we went through a much quicker kind of process of the same thing. Uh, and we, we, in fact, the the, the most ext- the, the first time we did it in New York, we did it in this amazing auditorium, which is part of the New School in in Chelsea. And it was, I mean, it, you know, it, it was almost like the Royal Festival Hall. It was just, I mean, the huge wooden built wo- wo- wooden interior, 
and and you know the, this poor the poor speaker was like a little kind of tiny <laughs> dot. It's like being at Wembley Arena or something, Wembley Stadium. And there's a huge screen. The facilities were amazing, and we had like 150 people in it. Sat 2,000. It was just you know, I mean, it was great, but it wasn't right. And so what what we did this year in New York, we we worked um, with with a smaller space, which was much more is on one level. So it's was just rows of of of, of uh, chairs installed. Mm and um, speakers at the front on the same level, not on a stage, and much more kind of relaxed and much more, just um, much more confident, much more sort of, uh, almost sort of uh, maybe a bit a bit like going to a university lecture. It's just, you know, the speakers were here amongst you and then they just stood up one after the other and went to the front to the, to the lectern mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. delivered their talk. And it felt much more collegiate and much more appropriate. So that's what we're doing. That's why, we, partly why, there's another reason, partly why we've gone to Vitsu's shop, which in Marylebone in central London and it's it sounds like we're doing in a shop but it actually they can hold about 120 people and and uh, it's a big double height space with a gallery around and and, and it's, so it's a beautiful space uh, but it also harks back to an event we did at the same time as the launch of uh, which was a smaller event which we did at the old Vitsu shop and we've sub- subsequently worked with the with them in their New York shop mm-hmm. we've done um, that's been our kind of pop-up shop and of course, you know, the, our shop here is, is, is done out with their shelves and their furniture, etc. So they've been very close partners since the beginning. And, it's, and so, it, so it feels appropriate to go back and work with them in, in their space. And they've been great to work with. And we're very much looking forward to mm. doing it there. Mm. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, OK, so the, I, I think it'd be interesting just to kind of like finish things up with a bit of a look around the magazine world. Or the, like certainly the magazine world as it pertains to like you know kind of us mm-hmm. sitting here what, what's your sense at the moment the, so the, there is that kind of um the alarming uh news this summer of um uh, pronovis uh closing so that they were one of the big mm-hmm. um printers of the big kind of like mainstream magazines so that means there's now only one printer left in the uk that can actually print these big magazines like that seems pretty terrible <laughs> that uh, sounds like kind uh, of scary do, do, does that does that figure for you do you think is that like or, or do you kind of view that world of magazines as being slightly separate to what you do here because you because you do straddle them both mm-hmm. it, well it's, it's, an, it's not separate but it's um i mean i mean we've always been clear i mean we're at mag culture and per, well personally but also at mag culture as a team and what we do we we, we exist to celebrate great magazines and so we're not particularly concerned whether they're made by a big multinational publishing corporation or by two people in their spare time mm. over in Dolston, whatever, mm, you know. Mm. Um, we, we're just interested in, in, in fascinating projects and projects that kind of take the, the, the form forward. But, but that said, you know, inevitably most of the things that are doing are happening of any interest are in the independent sector, so we do focus very much on that. And we have that in common. And um, So I'm not I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, we 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 did a, a little mention about about the the, the publishing uh, the printers uh, closing when we heard about that, and it, on the face of it, it's it's dreadful, but you know, it's a sort of self fulfilling thing. You know, the, all the, all the different elements of the big mainstream publishers uh, have 
uh, are feeding towards one thing, and that is their demise. Mm-hmm. Um, the space we sat in here, the Mag Culture Shop, used to be a news agent, and, and if you'd seen the presentation of the magazines in that news agent, nothing to do with the person running the news agent, but the publishers and everybody just sort of had given up. Mm-hmm. They, they'd given mm-hmm. up caring really how mm-hmm. their magazines looked in the retail space, and that ca- continues across the board. And if it, you know, the, the there's it's sort of it's chicken and egg, isn't it? I mean, there's not many. There's maybe only one company still that can mass produce on a web offset machine a printed magazine, but that's because not many publishers are actually wanting to produce mass numbers of of, of printed magazines. And that's mm. Um, mm. the magazines we appreciate aren't going to be printed by companies like that. They're, mm. they're they're you know as per bittersweet review. The beauty of that is it's a small run, relatively small run. Don't know what it is, but it's won't be large, and it's sheet fed using mm. really beautiful Fedragoni paper. Mm. Um, it's a different world. Mm. It's a different world. So, on the one hand, it's, it's it's dreadful news, but on the other hand, it's well, you know, kind of not surprising. It's not surprising. Yeah. Um, so so I mean, but nonetheless, it's not good news. But it's it's. I do think there's lots of good news around. I think I think in our, in the sector, the, the independent sector, it, it, it just you just have to um, look at the, look at the new shelf that we've got in, in the shop and just go through the new magazines. And it's just it's, it, we have the same thing on the website. We have a, a section of new launches, and you can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. There's just so many new magazines happening, and so many of them. Not all of them. I mean, I have to, have to always say, put an asterisk to say, not all these new magazines are great, <laughs> but there are many great new magazines coming out, and in all, in all sort of, um, uh, in t- great in terms of all sorts of considerations. Mm, mm, mm. Well, like I say, I've I've spent uh, a lot of money uh, in the shop earlier, so I, I need to go off now and uh-huh. uh, and start reading some of these magazines. Some of those new magazines yes. um, but um, but thanks again for uh, taking the time to talk and just remind us. Where is the place people should go to get tickets for the event? Uh, you should go to madculture.com and you will find a big animation that will encourage you to go through and, and book <laughs> your tickets. It takes place here in London, November the 16th. There are live stream tickets available as well. So if you can't come to London or you don't want to come to London, you can still join in and watch. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming. Nice one. Cheers, Jeremy. And, and see you there, I hope. Uh, well, if you let me come, I'll definitely absolutely, come. absolutely, absolutely, of course. <laughs> That's it. You're you're recorded saying that now, so I have to. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Steve. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Jeremy for making the time to speak. And if you enjoyed hearing his thoughts on magazines and the magazine world, I hope you'll book your tickets to Mag Culture Live next month. It's been two weeks since our last episode of the podcast and I'm pleased to report that after a slow start the podcast discount code has gone crazy and not one but two people have used it to subscribe so my thanks this week go to Dominic Sorensen and Thomas Boyd Uh, I dropped them both a line to make sure they don't mind me sharing their names on here and as well as just getting their permission it was really lovely to hear from both of them and briefly get their thoughts on the podcast so I wanted to say it again if you have anything you'd like to tell me about these episodes please do drop me a line on steve at stackmagazines.com it's genuinely great to hear your feedback and of course if you want to get the full stack experience be like dominic and thomas and go to stackmagazines.com and use the code podcast when you sign up and you'll save 10 percent off our normal prices and i'll thank you in our next episode 
Uh, that is going to be in a couple of weeks time when I'm going to be playing a conversation that was recorded in Bristol at the Left in Print event. Uh, it's really interesting and inspiring. So watch out for that. And of course, if you follow us wherever you get your podcasts, we will deliver that to you as soon as it's ready. Thank you very much for listening to this one. And I'll be back with that next episode in a couple of weeks.